0: Hello everyone, welcome to The Nielsen Show. Brand new episode, reboot of The Nielsen Show here in 2024. And I hope everybody had a great holiday season and a new year, whatever your resolutions are. And hopefully everybody's families are doing good. And, I mean, I I hate to be the downer, but I really don't think 2024 is going to be super awesome. Uh I mean, there's just a lot of crap still going on that maybe not even a lot of people even know about. Um, So, yesterday was January 6th, you know, the insurrection day. Even though it pretty much wasn't more than an incited riot by the Capitol Police. If you've watched any of the Capitol Police footage now that has been out. All these people started just going there to protest. Peacefully, they were peacefully protesting outside the Capitol. And the next thing you know, the Capitol Police start shooting flashbangs and whatever else they were firing off of from up higher on the Capitol floor into this crowd of people. And people are seeing like yelling back at them with eyewitness footage from people that were there. And that's when they started getting upset because they're like, what are you, what are you doing? We're just standing here. We're protesting what, you know, we have a constitutional right to do, which I don't know if, how many, I mean, we, we have about 80% of the country that believes in the constitution probably. I mean, you got politicians that claim that oh the constitution, this constitution, that, but will turn around and light it on fire any chance they get. And they do a lot of projecting, you know, what they're doing, but they're going to say the other side is doing. Um, There is an article here, uh, The Impact of January 6th, Three Years On. It's by the Epic Times. And it says that uh, it's been three years since the January 6th Stop the Steal rally in Washington ended in a breach of the U.S. Capitol by protesters. In the interim, the Department of Justice and FBI have undertaken the largest manhunt in their history, arresting over 1,200 people who entered Capitol grounds that day. The manner of these arrests and the information used to make them, in some cases, have been, uh, oh, have raised questions about FBI protocol amid the agency's effort to round people up. Now, uh, I'm going to take a break from the article here. There has also been reports from what you would say the airline marshals that usually ride on airplane flights around the country. that are just kind of like a protective person. Well, they've been following, they've been instructed to follow people around that were at the Capitol that day. They don't know why, they're just following them around. That was their orders they were given. And now the DOJ also is saying that they're going to go and start arresting more people that were just at the Capitol that day. Didn't go in the Capitol, but because they were there in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. And we kind of know already, if you've been paying any attention and finding out any information about this, that they have been... I mean, anybody that's... So they use the phone pings of people that were in Washington, D.C., Video camera footage from wherever else they might have been, anywhere in DC. They've arrested people that weren't even in the capital, or you know, on harassing people that weren't even in the country. So, where are they finding these people that they're trying to go after? Well, they've obviously got to be spying on whatever kind of information they can get off social media, and you know, emails, phone calls, whatever the heck you want to say they're using, is probably the case. So with that, I mean, this might even get into a little bit of that here. We'll go back to, oh, and don't mind the background. This was supposed to be kind of like my little room to do podcasts in, but as you can see, it quite hasn't got there yet. (laughs) I'm actually even just trying out this new ClipChamp stuff that Microsoft has put out. So I don't know. We'll see how this works out. Um, more than half of those arrested have faced sentencing on numerous charges. Many of those held on charges related to January 6 have been incarcerated in the D.C. Metropolitan Jail, dubbed the Gulag, by critics for the treatment of January 6 defendants there. The political fallout of the events of that day continue to resonate throughout Washington and the nation as a whole. Opponents of former President Donald Trump, including members of the House of Representatives' now-defunct January 6 committee, have promoted the narrative that President Trump himself was responsible for the Capitol breach. These critics have argued that the January 6th rally amounted to an attempted insurrection against the United States government and guided by President Trump. Now, they use that and they use it in the media as a way to keep pushing this insurrection narrative because they, are, they seem to be very, I guess, uh, threatened at least. By him, by the presence of him, and even just the thought of him becoming uh, our president again. So, you see, you've been seeing like all this trial stuff, and all these state representatives from all across the nation that have been trying to, I don't know, find any kind of thing that they can tie him up into court. You know, they're trying to just say, oh, he did this or that, or you know, like that Leticia James. In I think it's what New York saying he overvaluated his properties to get loans from banks. Now, it would should be the bank's responsibility and typically is the bank's responsibility to get that information. And before they give out a loan. So if they didn't do their due diligence, then what does it have anything to do with her? Other than they've they've got to find some kind of crime. They found the person. Now they got to find the crime. And uh, I think they're... So if you're not a subscriber to the Epic Times, uh, I highly recommend it. Just do the digital version. I mean, they do papers. They'll send you a paper, a newspaper, if you really like the old nostalgia. And I don't know why this thing keeps going dark on me. Going light and dark. I have no idea why it's doing that. Um, But it also... Gives you uh, documentaries so you can watch these documentaries. They do, and one of them is, is essentially about all that stuff. Oh, where was I here? Move my page, I'm reading this off my phone. Um, anyways, I think it's only like $11 a month or something for a digital subscription. You download the app on your phone, you can watch all this stuff. You can, you can watch it on your computer, you just go to the Epic Times. Uh, log into your account if you have one. And what I used to do before my computer went all weird on me was just hook my HDMI into my big screen upstairs and watch it like he's watching TV. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you can take it on the go. It's on your your phone. Everybody's got their phone with them all the time. Uh, Let's see. Let's go back to this article. Bounce around here. i need to keep on track here. It's been a while since I've done a decent podcast, so a little rusty. We'll get back into it, though. On these grounds, President Trump has faced challenges to his right to appear on the ballot in several states, which is another thing that's happening. They're just saying, we're not going to allow him on our ballot in this state. Colorado done it. Maine done it. And the circumstances around those are quite odd as well. Um, he, he's also been charged with a series of federal crimes related to the incident and its aftermath by a special counsel, Jack Smith, which, uh, I've read different things has said that he has unconstitutionally been appointed to that position to even be charging or going being the lead guy on this bull crap stuff anyways. A move that has drawn sharp criticism from President Trump and his congressional allies decried it as a witch hunt against the 2024 Republican frontrunner, which we've seen that ever since 2016. I mean, it hasn't hasn't changed. It's only ramped up. Even as the event itself fades into the historical background, its after-effects continue to significantly influence American politics. Here's an overview of key events that have happened in the three years since January 6th, what's to come, and the questions that remain unanswered arrests, and prosecutions. According to the DOJ's most recent statistics, over 1,237 people have been arrested in relation to January 6th. The vast majority of these people, 1,160, have been charged with entering or remaining in a restricted federal building or grounds, including 140 charged additionally with entering the area armed with a dangerous or deadly weapon. Now I'm not sure exactly what that even means because was that just somebody carrying a Trump flag? Are they saying that was a dangerous weapon? You <laughs> know that's the that's the tricky things you got to watch out with these things because they might be charging these people for just having a pole with a flag on it that could have been used as a dangerous weapon. Um, about a quarter have been charged with obstruction of an official proceeding, a charge that critics say has been applied to a degree well beyond its original scope. Roughly a third have been charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, including 120 charged with using a dangerous or deadly weapon or causing serious bodily harm to an officer. 70 have been charged with destroying government property, while 56 have been charged with theft of government property. Notably, despite claims that the event amounted to an insurrection, none of the defendants arrested in connection of 2 January 6th have been charged with Get this insurrection, including president Trump. And this is why they, they have no weight in their words when they all come up to the, the podium and spout off. Oh, it's a, it's a threat to our democracy. And in this insurrection, I'm, I'm, I'm scarred for life. It's like, oh, eh. Sorry. <laughs> um, That's the thing. So it's like all of these people, not one person from that day, three years ago, have been charged with actual actual insurrection. The one person that, in my opinion, could be charged to the highest extent of all of it was Ray Epps. He's the one that you see on the video saying, we need to go into the Capitol. We need to go into the Capitol. Nobody else that I've seen of any footage anywhere was sitting there, outright calling to go into the Capitol, but him. Well, I think there's finally been enough pressure that yeah, he got six months, I think, in jail. And uh, the leader of the Proud Boys, you know, their their arch nemesis, of, you know, the Proud Boys their supposed white supremacist group or whatever that's actually, I don't know if he's Hispanic or black or whatever he is, or a mix, I don't know. He wasn't even in the Capitol that day. He got arrested and charged with 22 plus years in federal prison and is in prison right now along with multiple other people that had gone into the Capitol. And why... They are selecting certain people that they've actually had locked up for the last three years plus. Uh, I guess it's still yet to be remained. The, the one guy they had, the, the big red, white, and blue painted Viking hat guy from Arizona, he got released after some of the video footage got taken out and his lawyers basically presented it to a judge and that showed that the Capitol Police were actually get him a tour of the place. And then, I mean, there are literally thousands and thousands of hours. So, anyway, that gets back to my other point as to with the, the epic times they have their documentary series. And the first one, I think, is like the real story behind January 6th. And now they've just got a new one that dropped yesterday that I haven't watched yet. But it's called The Long Road Home, uh, the January 6th deal. Uh, so, it's like the second part of that. So, they've been, you know keeping on with this story and the stories from the people that are in jail from their family members and whatever. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing I think one to watch there. Um, let's see. Let's go down the article here. Attorney General Merrick Garland has called this the most wide-ranging investigation and the most important inves- investigation that the Justice Department has ever entered into. Now, why are we spending all of these taxpayer dollars and resources to go after people that were just simply there? Oh, could it be because they were supporting Donald Trump? I, I personally, I think that's realistically the what it's amounting to for the most part. Um, there's one more interesting thing. Is not too long ago all of these palestinian protesters they went in and actually physically took over the capital how many people of them have been charged for an insurrection zero big zero that's okay cuz if you're on the right side of the aisle and doing things that uh, i don't know the left i guess is what it basically boils down to and i hate hate these labels but just for reference points that's essentially what happened. And they went in and took over the capital, chanting, you know, to free Palestine or whatever they were doing. And yeah, nobody charged, nobody arrested. I guess that's, I guess that, and a real insurrection is, I guess, okay. Even though it wasn't really, because they weren't taking over the government. They were just taking over the capital like the people that were basically were led into the capital on January 6th, 2020, 21, whatever year it was. And I mean you you hear a lot from the right Two tier justice system Yes, yes we have that But we also have that same problem from The politicians on the right That are either never Trumpers They're they're spewing all the same stuff I really wish I could figure out why that keeps doing that Is that bugging anybody else but me? treadmill the dust I mean it gets used a lot of times let's see if I can spin a little bit better you can just see my unfinished basement <laughs> oh quit shaking the thing okay let's get back to this article here shall we that's probably a little better lighting um however the FBI's tacticed in making these arrests and the methods it's employed to identify and apprehend January 6th suspects I've raised many questions. For instance, many January 6 defendants have been arrested by use of a SWAT team. You're dangerous. You are a very dangerous person. This is unusual, according to former FBI Special Agent Stephen Friend, who blew the whistle on the FBI's handling of January 6 cases and lost his job for it. I've arrested over 150 violent criminals, he said in a new documentary about January 6 from the Epic Times. I never had to use SWAT. He added, that really is the utmost highest level of enforcement. Former FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle, another whistleblower, featured in the documentary, noted odd deviations from standard procedure in the ways that information against suspect was gathered. In one case, Mr. O'Boyle noted that information was obtained from an anonymous tip uncorroborated by law enforcement a source of information not commonly given much credence among law enforcement officers. In another, he reported that a 25-year-old photo was used to identify a suspect, another deviation from standard procedure. The FBI did not reply to a query on these allegations. In other cases, information was acquired through the cooperation of social media companies and financial institutions. Particularly heading, headline grabbing was the revelation that Bank of America had voluntarily handed over bank records to the FBI of people in Washington on January 6th. So you didn't even have to be at the Capitol. They just blanket here, here's all the transactions we had on, on any of these bank accounts of people that would have been in Washington, D.C. this day. All said, January 6th, defendants' sentences added up to hundreds of years in prison. But the largest sentence have, sentences have been deserved for those deemed ringleaders. Uh, Enrique Tario, that's the guy, the former leader of the Proud Boys, has been sentenced to 22 years in prison. Stuart Rhodes, leader of the Oath Keepers, was sentenced to 18 years. A handful of others considered most responsible for the events of that day have also received sentences of over a decade in federal prison. You know, and they would really like just nothing to see here. Buy our narrative. Shut up. Quit talking about it. Buy our narrative and just go with us. January 6th, Jurisprudence. After their arrest, January 6th defendants were subject to what Attorney Joseph McBride dubbed Special January 6th Jurisprudence, which he described as a reversal of standing legal precedents in favor of pursuing and imprisoning January 6th defendants. There's a term that we developed in one of our cases that we'd call the Special January 6th Jurisprudence. Mr. McBride told Deppet Times, it's the concept that all constitutional law, criminal law, civil rights law, from the inception of our country up until January 5th, 2021, is one body of case law, and then you have everything else that came after it. He and fellow January 6th attorney Ed Martin discussed a series of areas where January 6th jurisprudence diverged. From what came before it, including in areas related to free speech, due process, and defendants' core constitutional rights. Many concerns about the treatment of January 6th defendants in the courts revolve around a heretofore, her, I don't know what that word is, little known statute of U.S. law against obstructing an official proceeding. The use of this obscure statute, Mr. Martin said, could be chilling on free speech. The statute, developed in the aftermath of a scandal wherein Enron employees shredded documents ahead of an investigation, is at its core similar to obstruction of justice, Mr. McBride told The epic Times. For roughly 330 January 6th defendants, however, the scope of the law has been expanded dramatically. The relevant section of U.S. law imposes a penalty of up to 20 years in prison on felony charges for whoever corruptly obstructs, influences, or impedes an official proceeding or attempts to do so. But its use in the case of January 6 defendants is unprecedented, Mr. McBride said, and could have serious implications for freedom of speech in the United States. Quote, it's an obstruction charge, and it has to do with a person or a group of people like Enron destroying evidence relating to a forthcoming investigation, he said. Did any of these people do that? No. Do you see people running around with ballots in their hands? No, Mr. McBride said. So they improperly expanded the scope of this statute in order to create this massive dragnet under which they would drag all these people into it. Mr. Martin added that by extension, the application of the law could be used to chill political speech. The law is supposed to be about evidence tampering, Mr. Martin said. It's supposed to be about altering evidence, and it's not about when there's an official event, a school board meeting, an electoral college count, a congressional hearing. With the expanded scope of the statute, Mr. Martin said, everyday Americans could find themselves facing felony charges and up to 20 years in prison simply, simply for undertaking any action that could be construed or obstructing or interrupting anything deemed as official proceeding. So now, if you go to any public meeting, you you go to your town council and get up and say, you're killing babies, stop abortion now, and they gavel out the meeting, you've now committed a felony in America, he said. Currently, a case case about the application of the law by federal prosecutors is pending in the Supreme Court, where the attorneys expressed optimism that it could be struck down. Uh, Additionally, prosecutors in many of the cases sought the addition of a so-called terrorism enhancement during sentencing, one of the several considerations that can be used to dramatically increase the prison sentences of those convicted of a crime. The threat of having this enhancement applied against him was part of what drove 37-year-old Matthew Perna, already facing charges, charges of witness tampering, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, and two counts of disorderly conduct to commit suicide, his aunt Gary Perna told the Epoch Times. Mr. Perna was initially set to face four misdemeanor counts later the DOJ escalated the charges, adding on the felony charge for obstruction of an official proceeding and threatening to further lengthen the sentence by requesting the terrorism enhancement. Matthew Lawrence Perna died on February 25, 2022, of a broken heart, his family said in an obituary. His community, which he loved, his country, and the justice system killed his spirit and his zest for life. I mean, that was just part of the problems we're seeing with all of this stuff. I mean, this article goes on for quite a bit more. Uh, Political fallout. Uh, Maybe we'll end this, this little section with that one. Political fallout. Aside from the effects of the lives of those caught up in the FBI's massive prosecutorial net after January 6th, the event's political fallout continues to resonate to this day the capital breach has been used by democrat activists as justification to remove president trump from the ballot in several states portion of the post-civil war 14th amendment prohibits any person who having previously taken an oath, oath as an officer of the united states to support the constitution of the united states shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same from holding public office again now that's what they're trying to try President Trump on is the Fourteenth Amendment to keep him off the ballot. Trying to say that he—that's why they keep pushing that insurrection, because all they got to do is just keep repeating it long enough, and with the most confidence that that's what happened, that they can get enough people to believe that what they're saying is the truth, and that's why a lot of people that want to think for themselves are saying, "No, this is bullcrap," and calling them out on it. You know, and, and have lost trust in the media. Um, many Democrats maintain to this day that January 6th constituted an attempted uh, insurrection against the United States government, despite the lack of insurrection charges against any of its participants. The leader of this alleged insurrection, they say, was President Trump and his allies. And that's the, that's the clip you see that's totally cherry-picked and cut off. It's clipped just the right amount. To say to watch Trump say go, we need to go down to the Capitol and protest, and then they cut out the rest where he said peacefully, blah blah blah, and whatever else he said after that. And that's what they're trying to frame as the narrative for this whole insurrection. Bullcrap. Um, this was the narrative advanced by the January sixth panel, which was disbanded after Republicans took back the House. Under that panel, terms like insurrection, assault on democracy, and attack on the capital became commonplace in the mainstream media when referring to the events of the day. The narrative they continue to promote, and to this day they do it, is that these are armed insurrectionists. Which, I don't think there was one person arrested there that had a firearm on them. Because, I mean, it, it's pretty much against the law to have a firearm in Washington, D.C., um <clears throat> thus far, the narrative has been used as the basis for both federal criminal uh oh shoot where was I? thus far, the narrative has been used as the basis both for federal criminal prosecution of President Trump and as the basis for his removal from the twenty twenty four presidential ballot. States like Colorado and Maine have attempted to do so pending intervention from the Supreme Court. Legal experts, however, expect the High Court to overturn the effort. Uh, Still as President Trump appears poised to clinch his party's nomination for the presidency later this year, January 6th, seems likely to remain a forefront political issue for some time. And coming up on our 30-minute little deal here. So we'll make these 30-minute segments because I'm trying this whole new uh, ClipChamp thing out just to give you video reference. Not that you want to see my ugly face, but bad enough after have to listen to my voice, huh? (laughs) Um. Let's see. We'll uh, end this segment right there. Hold on.